I'd say just simply first advice on mental health first aid. Talk to somebody. It doesn't matter who it is. Talk to your colleague. Talk to your boss. Talk to somebody at home. Just make sure that those feelings get out there somewhere. <laughs> Welcome to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. I'm Petra Belzebor, and this is the place to discuss tips, tricks, and hacks to build your resilience through your worst rock bottoms and get you to a place of success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life, professionals, individuals who've been through their own adversity, and allow them to share their authentic and real life stories, opinions, and ideas about how to utilize our worst rock bottoms and allow them to catapult us into success. Welcome to the show. Welcome everyone to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. Today we've got Kat Trebelko on the end of the line. She is a coach uh, who helps women specifically in career transition. And I know that this is very much connected to her own story. Uh, so we're really excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to have you here. So as you know, the theme around this podcast is is around adversity, but the, you know, the life challenges that sometimes provoke us into maybe finding our purpose or, or doing something differently to help us survive. Um, I'm wondering first, though, if you'd give us just a bit of context to what it was like growing up. Like, do you think you were given the tools to build resilience from from an early age? Ah, well, that's an excellent question. I would definitely say yes. I think uh, my mum in particular was a great mum, uh, very supportive, um, always made me feel very loved and supported in stuff that I did. So I think that certainly helped. Um, I also took up mountaineering at quite a young age. I think it was about 12 when I started doing that. And uh, being out in the mountains. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. my house is full of pictures like this. Uh, being uh, out in the mountains, I think, and heading for summits through bad weather and strong winds and all sorts teaches you quite a lot of resilient skills uh, and important skills as well, like when to turn around and maybe not push yourself through something that's too hard. So there's definitely a lot of learning from that. Yeah, there's so many parallels to like working hard versus balance versus, you know, uh, looking after yourself, what that looks like. Did you say you started really young, around 12? Yeah, so I was involved in the Scouts as a young person and they ran a mountaineering course uh, up in Scotland and uh, that's where I got started, yeah, around about 12, 12 and a half. And you've stuck with it? I can see that picture, you're much older, so. Yeah, so part of my job actually is when I'm coaching, I take people out into the outdoors, not necessarily up mountains, but just out into nature, uh, around the lake, through a forest, into the hills, wherever they want to go. Amazing. Um, so definitely something stuck with me. Tell us about that. So um, you're obviously, we'll, we'll get into why you got into coaching, but um, what, what is it about taking them in the outdoors? Like, what's the benefit of that? Oh, there's so many benefits. I think just generally being out in the fresh air and blowing away some cobwebs really helps people open up a different way of thinking. There's something about when your brain's concentrating on what your feet are doing, um, you kind of get into that rhythm of walking. And also when you've not got eye-to-eye contact with someone, it opens up your brain again to think differently. You're not worried about what their reaction is or what their facial expression is doing based on what you've just said, which then means you tailor what you say next. When you haven't got that eye contact, it's the same as driving in a car. When you're passenger in a car, you can sometimes have some good conversations. I think you just, you're much more honest with yourself because you're just saying truly what you need to say rather than what you think the other person 
wants you to say next based on the re- reaction they just had to you. Yes, um, I like the car analogy. I have two teenagers yeah. and I certainly use them being trapped in the car on a fast <laughs> to talk about anything that's uncomfortable for them. <laughs> yeah, it is a good place, and particularly when they can't get out with you moving along as well. Um, and then just go ahead, carry on. I was just going to say being, being in the outdoors with the views, I think sometimes when you're in an office or a cafe and you've got four walls around you, it can actually quite be contracted thinking to being quite constrained. Uh, whereas when you're in the outdoors and the horizon is however many miles away and you've got a really big, inspiring view, actually that then translates into you being able to think bigger um, and be inspired by the kind of scenery that you're in. I mean, that's beautiful. And I'm reflecting that I am totally based in London. I am in a flat all the time or, or in cafes or exactly as you said, with skyscrapers and all, all that sort of city living around me. And I had to think for a second. I was like, when was the last time I was on a mountain? It's been a long time. And I do, but I do remember some, because I lived in Switzerland when I was 16, right on a lake in the middle of the mountains. Um, and it, it was a complex time in my life. But uh, I remember certain times being on, on a mountain, probably not in the same way as you, maybe a, a, a big hill. But the, the feeling of the view and the, the breath of fresh air and like the, the connection to the universe or whatever, like, just the perspective that it gives you on, on yeah. all the little things that keep us anxious and worried and overwhelmed and all that stuff. You're like, let's take a breath. There's a bigger picture here. So I can see from that perspective, it would be really useful. Yeah. And sometimes I'll actually use it as a coaching metaphor. So you can like visualize a problem and then put it down in the valley beneath you. And it, you know, look down a bit from the top and how much smaller does it seem now? And once you look at it from this distance and from this sort of upper view, how does that change your perspective of the problem? What else might you be able to see around about it, above it, to the side of it? You know, what is it squashing that you can't see? <laughs> you know, all of these metaphors that you can use to help people um, just move past or around or step over the problem or whatever it might be. Think differently, right? Disrupt the, the habits of unconscious thought and, and um, yeah, create, create something new. Um, and of course, I, I see that you focus on career transitions. So I'm, I'm, tell us about that. Is that just people who are unhappy but feel stuck or don't know what else they can do? Or tell us about that that client that you work with. Yeah, so it can be all sorts of things. Um, the most common one I find is people that are stuck, trapped in a job that they're not enjoying. And it might be the kind of financial benefits of them being there or just that that's all they've ever done and they just don't quite know where else or what else they could do. So it's helping them work through actually, well, both financially, what do they actually need to survive and is there a way that they can make that happen, whether that's a full-time jump into something else or part-time, um, but also helping them work through what is it that is really important to them, what skills do they have that they want to use in a day-to-day basis in their job, what you know, what kind of values do they want to fulfill, do they want to be indoors or outdoors, do they want to work on their own or with other people, um, all those kind of things just to work out actually no matter what the job is what things does it need to fulfill in them make them feel satisfied with it and sort of working out next steps and then other clients it might be that they want to make a big industry change so they can't be working in banking and they want to go into charity or health or something and it's just helping them work out how to make that jump or it could be something like uh, a woman who's been on maternity leave and is now coming back into work and how can they make that transition the most successful, whether it's launching back into a career focus 
or getting that balance between career and work. And then quite often I get women who have children around about from university age and their role as a mum is changing from being that kind of day-to-day mum process of having to, to help your children do everything through to actually, right, my children are now becoming more independent. Now the focus is back on me. Who am I? Who do I want to be? What do I want to be doing? I don't just need a job to earn money for my kids now. I can, you know, it's becoming part of my identity again as to who I am and what I want to be. Amazing. Yeah, and I can see how each of those transitions could throw up loads of questions. And if you feel insecure or if you don't have the skills to sort of navigate that, um, it could feel overwhelming. And it's, it's just really good to have someone uh, on side to help with the steps. Um, so let's go back. Let's give us some context into your life. So obviously, this is um, about the challenges and adversity. And you, you've obviously created this very um, sort of clear focus of the type of client that you work with. From personal experience, like talk, talk, talk me through uh, challenges or adversity that you've faced uh, that have maybe led you to this point? Sure. So uh, I used to work in a big corporate organization in banking. What your um, before coaching was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my, my old self yes. uh, working there. And I did their graduate scheme, which I very much enjoyed, and then sort of rolled off into a permanent position. Um, I just found that it was becoming very stressful for me. The team that we were in, suddenly became part of a big strategic review of the whole organization and that kind of propelled us into pretty hectic limelight. Um, I just found we had a leader coming to the team who probably wasn't a good fit. Bear in mind, this is a woman, a team of women working in an HR focus, a people focused organization. Yeah. And the very first team meeting he had with us, uh, he kind of said, let me get this straight. I'm not a people person. <laughs> you just see all these women going, whoa. And that came through in the way that he operated, I think. So with that, uh, with the kind of increased workload, we then had other people going off hit with stress, which then increases the workload again on those that are left. And I just really found I got to the point where I could do half of my job and do a really good job at it, or I could do all of my job and just be doing a rubbish job at everything because there wasn't that time to put the quality into what I'm doing. And for me, I, that wasn't very fulfilling. So... I went through a period I probably could have got signed off sick with depression, anxiety, work-related stress, whatever you want to call it. I'm not quite sure what it would have been. So tell me, that. So tell me what, what was showing up in the workplace as far as symptoms or like how did you know that some of that was going on? Uh, I was in tears every day. <laughs> um, I would be in tears on the way to work at the thought of having to be there all day. The slightest comment or email or something happening at work which just reduced me into floods of tears. I mean, that's not me. I'm, I'm emotional at films and sometimes adverts and things like that, but I'm not generally a kind of person that cries easily. Um, and I just find like Friday afternoons were the best thing ever. Sunday nights and Monday mornings were just this feeling of deep dread at having to take myself into that environment. Um, and I think, uh, like, work colleagues on a day-to-day basis, I got them quite well with, so there was some level of support there, but each of them was fighting a very similar battle, if I'm honest, um, and your capacity for them to support other people when you're feeling like that yourself just, just disappeared. So um, there was a kind of camaraderie in how bad it was, <laughs> but actually that doesn't help. <laughs> Well, and if anything, it can, uh, I mean, it's great to have the camaraderie, but I've seen it in working in schools in particular where 
uh, they they have you know a new head teacher has come in the the stress the the exams like all that sort of thing uh, and everyone in the staff room is just in this spiral of defeatism of overwhelm of is it is it as bad as yours like uh, negativity you know and as much yeah. as that it's very subtle because it can feel like support for a little while and then it becomes habit and then it feels yeah. like we're all nobody's taking responsibility for for their mood or their mindset or anything. And it adds into this culture, right, of just heaviness and, you know, yeah. of coming in. Right, and there might be a day where actually you feel okay and you walk in feeling pretty good and then you just get sucked down into that, like you say, habit of how it feels. And I think also it led to some interesting behaviours between colleagues where they'd be like, taking credit for each other's work. I remember sitting in a meeting and having one of my colleagues be like, oh, yeah, so I've worked really hard on this and I'm just thinking, I don't know how on this. I've literally done all of that work and it was just people were trying to fight to get noticed and almost stamping over each other. You know, opportunities for promotion weren't particularly common. So, you know, if one came up, it would be a kind of job useless world and that just wasn't me at all. No, and an environment, it just becomes a cultural thing where it's just intense and heavy and everyone's against each other in a way in order to survive. Yeah. But it sounds very much like fear-based, right? So when we're, we, we're, we're afraid, we go into that fight or flight sort of thing. So you yeah. just have to survive, you know, and, and not think interesting that it was the people department, right? Um, yeah. Right. Um, and, and so I can imagine the ripple effect on the whole organization if you guys aren't able to support <laughs> much less anyone else in, in any sort of efficient way. Okay, so you're yeah. crying all the time, you're dreading Mondays, you're rejoicing at Fridays, and then just it's a very short window of time of freedom. You, where, did yeah. you, where did that take you? What, the freedom took me to the mountains. <laughs> that was always my recovery place to go to. But. Mountaineering through this whole time, like has it always been a thing? Yeah, it's always been a thing and it's always been my place to escape to. So I think one of the things that very first start, got me starting about, um, got me thinking about starting my own business, um, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease back in 2011, um, probably not helped by this environment at work. Was um, sort of at the same time? Yeah, similar, similar kind of time. Um, and I'd been ill for a period of months and, you know, I was still at work, but then in the evenings I would just go home and sleep all evening. The weekends were recovery time um, where I would just sleep all weekend. And it got to the point where I just, I needed to get, I was living in London at the time, I just needed to escape out to the mountains. So I went away for a weekend on my own, which I don't normally do. Um, and I just, I wasn't well enough to climb up anything, but I just needed to be in that environment. I kind of took myself for a walk. Um, found this massive great big rock, just sat on it for a couple of hours, just looking at the view, at the blue sky, and I just felt so much better <laughs> just by being there. And I'd always said to myself that I didn't want to do my hobby as a job because I didn't want to ruin my hobby. But actually in that moment, I kind of had that realisation, well, A, I need more of this in my life for me, but mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be amazing to be in this environment every day rather than only at the weekend with a kind of six-hour drive at either end to get out of London? But also, if this is having this effect on me, wouldn't it be fabulous to be able to share this effect with other people? So can I build a business around it that involves taking other people into that environment to help them heal or help themselves or get clarity of thinking or whatever it must be? That's kind of where the first initial thoughts came from. 
it was still a while after that that I made the jump. That, that was the seed. <laughs> it really is. You, you plant the seed of the idea. Uh, and then, I mean, I imagine, was your confidence knocked at all with the business, with the work environment that you were in? Absolutely. And I think, so when I first um, quit my job, although I started my own business in terms of setting up a website and registering an email address and making business cards and all those things you do when you start a business, um, it took me quite a while, a period of time of recovery, almost like going into hibernation is what it felt like. Just, I probably sent it spent a good six months sat on the sofa under the blanket watching rubbish TV, <laughs> drinking cups of tea, you know, going out and meeting friends but actually doing very little towards my business because it just, just felt like I needed that time to recover. Yeah. Uh, do you Would you identify with being burnt out? Was that part of it? Was it the physical illness, the anxiety, the depression, a combination of them all? Yeah, a combination of them all, I think. Um yeah, and I'd say, although there was some initial relief from quitting my corporate job, there was also that kind of fierce flash excitement about what was to come. But because my confidence had been so not, I think probably fear to face it for a while. And I went through a period of like, I just don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Who am I? Yeah. What's happening? Yeah. Would you identify at all with like a rock bottom moment or like, uh, it, the, I certainly have had a few where it became the catalyst, so it got so dark, um, or I felt so hopeless that I then kind of thought, well, I've got to push myself. Or, or was it just like that six months? Like, what got you out of the six month dip? You know, um, probably summer coming around helps. <laughs> oh. I'm quite affected by the winter and the seasons, um, and just that kind of darkness in winter. Um, so I think yeah, just giving myself some time, um. Through that period of time, I completed my NLP coaching qualification, okay. which is all of coaching I come from. So I think learning a lot of the skills through that, the tools and techniques, helped me find my confidence again, increase my self-esteem, really work on, you know, who am I? What can I give to the world? What are the things that I value? Um, and so a lot of that, the coaching that I now do with other people, I experience myself through, through learning it. You're kind of co-coaching the other people in the course and go on your own journey um, and I definitely think that that kind of helped me through and find those internal resources courage motivation resilience confidence um, to, to go out and, and move forward to life. was there any I don't know if you remember was there any particular I don't know coaching question or or exercise day or interaction that um you would say just g gave you that boost and I know it's the whole thing but I but I remember when the first time I was really asked what do I want and I was like sorry what you know um <laughs> having the what do I need what should I have at the forefront like of my conditioning so heavily and it was so simple um but it was the catalyst for me getting divorced, me going into a job that was way above and, you know, really exciting and then leaving that job in order to go for, like, the, the, what do you want? And also, if guilt didn't exist, what would you do? Or if you had all the money in the world, what would you do? Like, yeah. disruptive questions like that. Were there any for you that were just like, boom, that's the one? There's probably two things. One is the simple question of if you knew you wouldn't fail, what would you do? Oh, that's a good one. So many people, you know, they'll work really long hours in a job that they don't like and work really hard and, you know, be quite good at it, but they don't enjoy it and they'll put all their time and energy and effort into it. Yep. But they won't work really, really hard for something they really, really want. 
because they're too scared of failing. And actually, that there is some logic to it, but it's kind of screwy logic. Why would you work so hard and long hours for a job for somebody else or other people for something you don't enjoy when actually you could put all of that time and effort into something you're really passionate about that's going to help people, that's going to make you happy? And, you know, the chances are if you work that hard at it and you've got that passion behind you, then, you know, you're going to succeed. So that was one question. If you knew you couldn't fail, what would you do? And then another one is a coaching exercise within NLP uh, designed by a guy called Robert Diltz. It's sometimes just called the Diltz model. Uh, the longer name for it is the neurological levels of change. Um, and it basically looks at, you can use it to look at your whole life. You can use it to look at a specific topic. And um, so I used it to look at my kind of career and what I wanted. And you look at it in a number of different levels. You start at environment. What's the environment that you want to work in? When you're in that environment, what will you see? What will you hear? What will you feel? And um, who else is going to be there around you? Were you, so you get a real... Were you like on top of a mountain? That's what I want to... My... Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of mountains. <laughs> Lovely. And um, then the next one is around your behaviours. So when you're in that environment, what behaviours will, be, will you be doing? What, you know, someone was watching you on a video, what would they see you do? What would they hear you say? What things do you actually want to be doing? Yeah. Next level, next level up is your skills and capabilities. So what skills do you have? What capabilities can you put into your work? Um, what areas of expertise do you have that you can bring to it? You know, are there any skills and capabilities you've got that actually you don't want to be using? or that you're not using at the moment, that you do want to be using. Um, so, yeah, it's sort of drawing on your, your strengths, really, um, in, into that. The next one, then, up is your uh, beliefs and values. So what's really important to you? What do you want it, you know, this area of your life to, to fulfill you? In what way? You know, what values are you working towards? So for me, it was things like freedom. I absolutely get that sense of freedom in by being in the mountains but also just freedom from that kind of stress, anxiety and everything. So freedom to, to work on my own, to do what I want, to follow whatever dreams it is that I've got going on. Um, and also your beliefs. So what do you believe to um, to be true? Is there any limiting beliefs in there that might be holding you back? And um, so it's working through some of those. Uh, the next level up then is identity. So when you're in that, uh, you know, that bit of your life, who are you? Who are you when you're at your very best? Who are you when you're at your worst? <laughs> and is that okay? And um, just really getting a core sense of, of that identity. And then the final bit of it is looking at what we call connectedness. Mm -hmm. So um, who are you connected to? What are you connected to? For me, it's a real feeling of connection to nature, uh, connection to the, the mountain environment that I'm in, but also connection to other people. So I work a lot with women and I see that community growing where people that have been on retreats or treks together actually keep in contact way beyond that weekend or that, that trek that they've been on and build a, a community of support together that doesn't involve me. It's something I facilitated, but it's that feeling of connecting other people together to support yeah, so be beyond what I can provide. Sustainable, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I see. Um, okay, so you're you're on this NLP course. Uh, you you begin asking yourself these disruptive type questions. You begin working yeah. inwardly as well as learning some skills and techniques. You know that the environment is the mountain, but you're like, how do I get a job there? Um, and uh, so so what was the then the because I know how building a business is actually really hard. 
right? Yeah. Um, and yes, you can put all your skills there, but there's so much that you have to, to learn and, and it's, it's isolating all those sorts of factors, right? So, so you begin to learn these skills. What then got you to this business model and to, you know, getting into what you're doing now? Yeah, so the, the things that came out of the coaching for me, well, the things that are really important are mountains, quite obviously from the fact I've talked about it in every question so far, and uh, and helping people. So it was how can I combine those two things? I already had a load of mountaineering qualifications that I built up through the Scout. I'm a qualified winter mountain leader. So I can take people out, teach them all the skills they need to survive in the wilderness of Scotland and beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was just getting this qualification uh, in in helping people through coaching so it was just finding a way of putting those two together so walking coaching kind of came out of that yeah and then it is that process of learning all the bits that you don't need don't know that you need when you start your own business <laughs> so the marketing oh right yeah yeah doing your own account the social media uh, all of those things so um yeah just a case of connecting with other people who are in a similar position to me or who've done it recently um, up in, I'm up in Edinburgh. We have a fantastic thing called Business Gateway that run a load of free courses that can help you get started on, on all of that kind of stuff. So that definitely gave me a, a good kick start. And I'm now starting to get to the point where I can pay somebody else to do the bits. I don't like to have a marketing lady that I use um, to do some marketing things for me because actually it drains my energy so much <laughs> trying to fiddle around on and, um, you know, some of these websites where you make your own pictures and that kind of stuff, but I'd rather someone else did it. <laughs> well, but it does take a while to get to that stage. No, I know. Trust me. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to do everything for a little while, haven't you? Yeah. Uh, would you say you had moments of self-doubt? Definitely, yes. Um, so technically, I took a career break from my organization when I quit. So I was able to take a seven-year or up to seven-year career break, and that gave me a level of like if I really hate it I can go back it's not to the same job I'll just be able to apply as an internal candidate and there's maybe three or four occasions where I've thought quite seriously for about 10 seconds <laughs> on it before I've gone no I, I just don't want to go back there even if I'm doubting myself here yeah, I'll either you know run my own business or I'll do something else that is more aligned with who I am and what I want to be I ain't never going back to where I started because for me it was just such a bad fit with my values and, and who I am. Um, so yeah, there's certainly been times where I've you know, looked at my jobs and that kind of stuff, but normally um, I've pulled through by finding some more work that is, is part of my business. And so how, how has adjusting your life and creating more fulfillment and more purpose, those sorts of things, affected those symptoms such as anxiety, depression, like whatever, tearfulness, all the stuff that you were talking about before? Uh, so as I mentioned, it took a, a while for that to pass after I, I quit my own job, uh, quit my old job. Um, but yeah, I'm in a much, much better place now. Um, still get it, those feelings sometimes, um, either triggered by something specific or just generally the winter coming does seem to affect me. Um, so I've done a few challenges over the years with friends who I met on the NLP course actually we did one of getting outside every day in December and just going for a walk or um, we have Arthur's Seat in Scotland it's a small hill in the middle of town Uh, so we went up there and looked at all the Christmas lights uh, from up there just to get outside in the fresh air doing something I enjoy that also happens to be good for things like depression and anxiety and yeah there's still elements of it um, that, that come up that 
I'm so, so much better than I was. And my Crohn's disease as well, which one of the triggers for Crohn's is stress. I've actually been really stable um, and in remission since I took my book. Um, Amazing. So, yeah, much better. Yeah, um, and so the, the going outside is obviously an important one for you. The mountains is an important one. Do you have any other habits or routines that you try and keep in place just to look after your own mental health or to make sure you can continue to operate in the way that you do? Yeah, sure. So one for me is, is loneliness. My my work, just the way that it is, tends to be very busy every summer. That's when people want to go out in the mountains and go outside when it's 80 mile an hour wind and snowing in Scotland. Some people still want to, but it's not as common. Sure. Uh, so I tend to find I'm very busy in the summer and then things are very quiet in the winter. And A, I already find the winter a struggle. And B, I'm quite an extrovert. I get my energy from being around other people. So one of the things that's been really important to me is uh, having friends or a, a network around me of people that understand and that I can find meet up with you know, regularly throughout the winter so that I'm getting that social contact because otherwise, when I'm not in the mountains working with people, I'm working at home on a laptop. And then actually, the daytime just fills into the evening time. There's no kind of no definition between work life and home life. And um, so it's kind of have that, making boundaries around it, making sure that I get some weekends off to spend with my partner who works a nice five job. And um, so just putting some boundaries around when is work time, when is life time. And then also making sure I've got that social contact, whether during the day having a business meeting with a friend, you know, going out for coffee and chatting an idea over with them, or whether it's in the evening meeting up with, with friends socially, just making sure I've got that social contact is really important to me. So, I mean, I couldn't agree more. And I'm in the city, right? Um, yeah. Just the, the amount of work. And I love what I do. I'm so excited all the time about what I do. But I'm an extrovert as well, and it can get isolating and I have to plan I literally have so I've got kids and they live with their dad one week and then with me one week so so the week that I don't have them I've got to proactively plan things to do that evening to to break things up or it's just a tricky interesting balance because sometimes you need the switch off because I have been busy in the day and then sometimes you just need the type of connection that's nurturing and that can sort of fill you up right um, so what advice would you give to, let's say, a woman is in a corporate job, a banking or some, you know, something similar, um, they, they're beginning to feel uh, dissatisfied, um, they, it might be coming out in little stress symptoms such as physical health or mental health, whatever, there, there's little things popping up in different parts of their life, they're not quite sure if a career transition is right, but they're unhappy. Like, what advice would you give to that person in that early stage of, you know, experiencing that sort of dis-ease? Yeah, I'd say just simply first advice on mental health first aid, talk to somebody. It doesn't matter who it is, talk to a colleague, talk to your boss, talk to somebody at home, just make sure that those feelings get out there somewhere. <laughs> because I think that's really important for people to be talking about their mental health. Um, secondly, I would start just thinking through what is really important for you and often you'll get you know things pop up in your head of oh I've always wanted to do xyz you'll actually start thinking about whether that's possible and normally it is possible getting a coach can be really helpful I know from my own journey going through the coaching when I was training just it absolutely massively changed my life and I know that sounds like a real cliche but it is so true 
I would not be where I am now if I hadn't got that coaching. What do you think so, yeah. about the coaching for you that helped pivot you or like what was the elements that helped, do you think? So it really gave me clarity on what specifically I wanted to do rather than it just being, I want to do something around mountains and people. It helped me work through actually specifically what does that look like? What does it feel like? You know, pin down some of the details of it and set an actual goal. And when you're talking your goals out loud to people rather than just thinking inside your head, yeah. you start making it more real and you start getting that encouragement from other people and other ideas coming in and that kind of collaborative team feeling, even if it's you that needs to do it, you start building that kind of support network and a level of accountability as well around you. So you um, can focus the yeah. what you want, yeah? Yeah. I think also for me, the coaching massively helps boost my so um, there's a number of NLP techniques that can help you find those inner resources. So going back to the memory of a time when you felt really, really, really confident and bringing that feeling of confidence sort of into your state now. And then there's a technique called anchoring where you can anchor that technique to be able to bring it on at any point you want to feel it. So then the next time there's a time you're like, oh, you already don't feel very confident about this, you can trigger that anchor and it brings about this state confidence in your body and your body and your mind are linked so if your body feels confident then transfers your mind and confidence and so there was a load of techniques like that that really helped me find confidence and motivation and resilience kind of feelings that yeah it just helped with all of that so like giving you the foundation piece to be strong enough to then do put the work in and do the things that you need to do to actually grow a business yeah um, and then uh, just tell us about how the, the – I know this sounds like common sense, like you walk up a mountain and you do some coaching. I get it. But, like, how does it actually work? Because surely you can't just do a one-hour coaching session. It's more of a – more in-depth or is a, along what – do you do groups? Do you do individuals? How does it work? I do all sorts. <laughs> so, yes, you can do a one-hour coaching session. We'll just do a short walk yeah. along the river in the city. I use the Botanic Gardens in Edinburgh just to be somewhere that's nature-based. And we'll just – wander around you know wherever the journey takes us and um, I do three hour sessions in the Pentland Hills just south of Edinburgh and um, that's more of a deep dive uh, a lot of it's just conversational coaching walking along and then occasionally we'll stop and do a more in-depth kind of closed eye process like an actual set process of set questions but a lot of it is just conversational uh, I run retreats so I mentioned already the, the women in career transition. I, I run retreats, a, a three-day trek that actually takes you on a journey. Um, on that, there'll be some group coaching where I will lead a set of questioning and people will kind of listen and you know, be sitting there with a nice view to help inspire you. There'll be some coaching where I'll, I'll um, just train people in a, a really simple technique or a simple set of questions and they'll co coach each other as we're walking along. And then there'll be times on it where just we let the rest of the group walk ahead and I'll, I'll coach somebody on their own at the back and um, the front of the group just a bit separate from everybody else. Um, and then often those conversations actually continue over dinner um, and over breakfast. So it's just that kind of casual, oh, I, I had this thought today. And then you get chatting about it and you know, your, your team and your contacts around it might not be official coaching, but just having the conversations and talking it through just all starts to make it feel more alive more real to help you believe it's possible absolutely more alive more real get some perspective get out of your like bloody routine that's just keeping you stuck in the same sort of headspace 
and help you think in a completely different way. Um, so amazing. I love it when people shake up coaching or psychotherapy and do it a little bit different, uh, just in the service of the client and, and for them to also be their best selves. And of course, you're, you know, walking proof, uh, that shifting things can really help. Um, if people want to find you, if they want to find out more about the retreats or anything, where can they find you? Uh, so my business is called Reach the Peak. Well, that. So my, <laughs> my, my website is www.reachthepeak.co.uk. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn as Kat Sadolfi. Um, I'm sure you'll have my name written somewhere next to the podcast with the correct spelling. Uh, reach the Peak. Reach the Peak? Was that right? Reach, reach the Peak, yeah. Peak, uh, coaching specifically, and uh, probably not only, but specifically around career transition, or I guess yeah. transitions, you said at the beginning. Transitions in general, yeah. Um, I do get people coming wanting to you know, think about ending relationship or working towards some kind of health goal or sort of big life change for them. But um, yeah, the main focus I have is, is women in career transition. Absolutely amazing. Um, thank you so much for your time, Kat. I appreciate the, the skills and the techniques that you shared as well that can help people begin to ask themselves disruptive questions. Uh, what was it again? Um, if you couldn't fail, what would you do? If yeah. there's no way that you could fail, what would you do? We'll end on that. Thank you so much. Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. Please do subscribe and review on iTunes. Every comment makes a difference. We really appreciate hearing from you. And please do get in touch through PetraBelzebor.com if you're interested in any training, coaching, therapy, or just to join the community and get more information on ways that you can build your own resilience. Until next time.